0: It's time now for St. Mary Healthline, presented by Gwynedd Mercy University. Your health is your most precious asset, and every Wednesday at 9 a.m., you can tune in for advice on how to better manage your health. Hear about important medical issues from the doctors and professionals across all service lines from St. Mary Medical Center. So without any further ado, it's time now for the Gwynedd Mercy University presentation of St. Mary Healthline. We're hitting the ground running. It's heart month here
1: on WBCB, St. Mary Healthline, presented by Gwinnett Mercy University. And next in the spotlight is uh, Dr. David Drucker. How are you doing, Doc? How's it going? Uh, Very well, thank you. Good to have you here. I I wonder if people say, who is this Dr. Drucker guy? Uh, Did you ever get any of those kind of insults or anything like that? Every once in a while. Every once in a while. But we are talking about health month, uh, month, and we had Dr. Fields last week, interventional cardiology. Uh, trying to uh, get ahead of the curve and best uh, you know a pound of uh, cure is is a lot more than a penny full of what the uh, caution and uh, I think it's worth an ounce of, of prevention. prevention yes and that and you certainly carry that in, in your in your business and how long you been with uh, St. Mary's and what what brought you to? the area of St. Mary's. So I uh,
2: did my undergraduate at Duke University, Mm -hmm. uh, trained uh, for medical school at Washington University in St. Louis, Missouri, Mm. uh, and then did all of my training at Yale, including cardiology and interventional cardiology. I spent two years on staff at the University of Chicago uh, as an assistant professor, uh, Mm -hmm. and then came to St. Mary's at the invitation of one of the local groups and St. Mary Medical Center uh, 16 years ago. Uh, and have been uh, very happy, uh, not just professionally but personally. Uh, you know, met my wife, have a son, uh, and okay. really have been uh, astounded by the growth of the medical care and quality in our community.
1: Sure, and uh, I, I would think they're they're actively recruiting cardiologists around the around the country too. Uh. It's, it's now networking all all over the place now. But you have a, a interesting background where it's a peripheral artery disease, and they said, well, "What's PAD, and what do you, do, how do you go about uh, looking for it and treating it?" So peripheral artery disease uh, is a, a disease
2: where basically, just like in the heart, which you heard about last week you get cholesterol blockages inside the arteries that feed the muscles or the organs in your body. And whereas heart artery disease are cholesterol blockages in the heart circulation, peripheral artery disease is a broad term that we use for cholesterol blockages in the arteries outside of the heart. So they would be blockages in the neck arteries, Blockages in the arm or the leg arteries, which is very common, uh, even for cholesterol deposits that don't cause blockages but actually cause weakening of the blood vessel wall, which we call aneurysms. Mm. One of the things in cardiology, in particular interventional cardiology, is that over the last decade, the vascular system is really thought of as one large system where all the diseases form a continuum. So it's very common these days to see interventional radiologists, vascular surgeons, and cardiologists all... Uniting kind of thing. Uniting yeah. Yeah. to treat a larger disease spectrum because of how prevalent this problem is.
1: Yeah, you can hear about aneurysms in the neck, in the brain, in the stomach. I mean, just about anywhere, right? So that's one of the reasons why you have a comprehensive team there working a the whole time right you
2: do and the one of the greatest things that we'll talk about is that the treatment options are better than they ever have been for many of the things you mentioned and then for other things we'll talk about
1: was it the luck of the draw years ago i think something you know my you know my arm hurts or my shoulders or whatever and it, maybe there was almost a, a silent killer out there you just never know if something like that would would hit right it's uh... yeah
2: if you're like me i remember the commercials from the 70s where we would see a ticking time bomb attached to somebody's chest for high blood pressure and they would tell you go see the doctor really get your blood pressure checked because if it's uncontrolled it can cause a heart attack or a stroke nowadays as you're referring to the doctors are very attuned towards what they should look for to detect disease early and apply both the medical therapies, as well as possibly invasive therapies, mm-hmm. to improve patient outcomes.
1: You mentioned the aneurysm. Uh, somebody will say an a- aortic. You know, when I say or a- and when they say aorta, they- it gets everybody's attention. That sounds like that's pretty serious stuff. And how do you how do you go about treating that? And. Uh... Going to work. So so aortic aneurysms are in that spectrum of peripheral arterial
2: disease, uh, really something that uh, is nationally looked for these days because of the impact that treating it can make on a person's not just uh, health but longevity. Uh, When you have an aneurysm, again, that's cholesterol deposits causing a weakening of the blood vessel wall, and it causes an enlargement. Uh, I relate it to patients as a bleb on your tire. Yes. Okay. Okay. The majority of those aneurysms are completely without symptoms. So about 75% of patients who have aneurysms don't present with any symptoms at all. The aneurysms themselves are found completely incidentally. A typical example is a patient comes to the hospital with a kidney stone. The doctor gets an x-ray, sometimes a CAT scan, and they say, yes, you've got a kidney stone, but oh, by the way, you have an aneurysm in your abdominal aorta. And then the doctor has to look at the size, the location, and decide if a treatment is necessary and what treatment makes the most sense. Aneurysms themselves can occur anywhere along the aorta, and as you refer to in other blood vessels. So there are aneurysms of the thoracic aorta, which is up in your chest, the thorax. There are aneurysms of the abdominal aorta. Those are the two most common. And then l- less likely would be aneurysms that you are referring to in the brain. Mm-hmm aneurysms in neck arteries or arm arteries and then actually aneurysms behind the kneecap they're called popliteal artery aneurysms wow so you can really get aneurysms in a number of different places and the most important thing is to work with your physician not just on a good physical exam but to decide if you're somebody who should be screened for the problem
1: i, I i'm probably guessing that uh, blood thinners are probably in there as well uh like cumin in or whatever um, so for, for, yeah, I'm sure this has, that has to be part of an equation when you're when you're working on that, right, Doc? Yeah, so
2: for patients who have peripheral artery disease, uh, we always recommend assessing your risk. And not just aspirin, but also a pill called clopidogrel, or some people know it as Plavix. Plavix They've okay. been shown to reduce the risk of stroke. In patients who have known peripheral artery disease, which includes aneurysms, the aneurysms themselves over the years, people have discussed whether treating them with aggressive blood thinners like Coumadin Mm -hmm. could reduce some of the potential risks, but it's actually not been shown to be beneficial. So really, when it comes to aneurysms, it's a matter of detection following the patient we call that surveillance mm-hmm. and then when and if the patient meets certain criteria we decide on whether to fix it with surgery or with
1: stents we call it endovascular repair right and, and and probably the the cholesterol equation too i think probably some people or patients are have a family history of high cholesterol predisposed for it so they're almost got a strike on them before they even see you and you get some some people that uh, are, are very lucky and their cholesterol is very low, but still could be at risk anyway, though, right? That's absolutely right. The, the,
2: the bane of treatment for vascular disease is always risk factor modification. The biggest things we see is, number one, know your family history. Aneurysms that you mentioned do have a family predominance. So if you're a male and you've had an aneurysm, you translate that occasionally to first-degree male relatives, and those patients should really look to be aggressively screened. On top of that, smoking. If you're a smoker, you dramatically increase your risk of developing atherosclerosis, cholesterol, as well as aneurysms. And then without a doubt, there was just a wonderful article released to the media about a week ago, Cholesterol Management in People with Vascular Disease absolutely improves outcomes whether they have symptoms or not. Hmm. So if you have blockages in your leg arteries or aneurysms or anything like that, aggressively treating your cholesterol to low levels, that can dramatically improve your outcomes, specifically reducing your risk of heart attack and stroke.
1: All right, we're talking with Dr. David Drucker on the St. Mary Healthline presented by Gwinnett Mercy University. Come back here in a moment
3: or two. If you're a recent college graduate or are about to graduate and are spending all of your time looking at which graduate school to apply to, let me help you out. Put Gwinnett Mercy University at the top of your list. Gwinnett Mercy University was voted a top university that adds the most value and a top university for producing graduates who do make the world a better place. Discover the Gwinnett Mercy University difference today. gmercyu.edu. That's gmercyu.edu.
1: I'm Mike Kime, president of Univest Bank, with a message for businesses worried about the way local banks are being taken over by the big financial institutions. At Univest, we understand how important it is to work with people you know, who can make decisions locally, and offer the comprehensive solutions you desire. We do business the way you do business. Bank local with Univest. Visit Univest.net. Univest Bank Trust Trusco is member FDIC.
0: We now return to St. Mary Healthline, presented by Gwynedd Mercy University.
1: And hey, we're here with Dr. David Drucker, St. Mary Medical Center, on the Healthline, talking about aneurysms and blockages and what to do about that and the intervention in cardiology. And Also, uh, doctor, we mentioned the cholesterol part of it. and is. Uh, uh, are there any uh, uh, circulation issues that uh, crop up as well uh, with that? Uh, is that part of it as well? That I know you have to rule a lot of things out before you go in, but is that one of them?
2: Absolutely. Well? And I yeah. think that as a cardiologist treating vascular patients, and I think I can speak for all medical specialties doing this, when a patient comes to see us with a particular vascular problem, let's say it's an aneurysm, we see that as a defined opportunity to evaluate the whole vascular system. Most importantly is the heart. So when you, whether or not you've had heart disease diagnosed in the past, the number one reason why people with vascular disease don't live five years is heart attacks. So without a doubt, A vascular patient initially gets a cardiac evaluation make sure there's no bad blockages stress make sure it's the heart's nice and strong and absolutely a stress test would be mandatory on top of that we then go ahead and evaluate the circulation basically neck to toe okay so the majority of those patients will get a neck ultrasound to look for neck artery blockages that could be a cause of a stroke They will get a full evaluation of the aorta to look at the aneurysm to decide whether it's the appropriate size uh, to fix. And then in terms of the legs, we have non-invasive studies called ankle brachial indices, completely non-invasive. And what they do is they blow blood pressure cuffs up on your arms and your legs, and they compare the blood pressures because the heart and circulation system are one big tube. Look like the Michelin Man probably, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. And what they do is they relate what your blood pressure is in your arms to what your blood pressure is in your legs. If the blood pressure in the legs is markedly less than the blood pressure in your arms, you've got a circulation problem because something's impeding that pressure waveform. On top of that, we always look for skin changes on exam. One of the things people often see is hair loss because Mm -hmm. if there's not a lot of good blood flow down to the legs, people can sometimes lose hair on their legs because the hair follicles need good blood flow. So we look for that. We look for wound issues, discoloration of the toes or the nails, uh, ulcers on the feet or the toes, or even just severe pains when people walk. We call it claudication, mm. which is you walk and the muscle group below the blockage hurts so
1: badly you have to stop. Is there, is uh, uh, diabetic uh, patient's uh more at risk? Diabetics are extreme risk. Yeah.
2: As you may have heard from my colleagues the previous week, yeah. when you have diabetes you are automatically considered a heart patient. Because diabetes and heart disease go hand in hand. So when it comes to the vascular system, that's exactly the same thing. We know that diabetics are very high risk for developing vascular disease. We always encourage very careful foot care. We do recommend that diabetics not just check themselves, control their blood sugars, but also meet with podiatrists who are really experts in looking at the skin, the toes, making sure that there's no ulcers starting, and a routine part of a podiatrist's exam these days is checking your pulses. And many podiatrists locally, and I have to applaud this, I think the whole medical community does, they will take a special interest in vascular disease when they see it, and they will often start the workup by sending patients for non-invasive vascular studies.
1: Uh, uh, Doctors, well, uh, all the blood work, you probably do a ton of that, right? Uh, what does that tell you? Uh, the, the, I'm sure there's blood work for cholesterol, pro-time. I mean, every lipid profiles, you name it. Uh, are you looking for everything and, and anything? We try and be a little bit more specific <laughs> these days, <laughs> um, but we do send a
2: fair amount of blood tests. So the first thing you mentioned, cholesterol mandatory. We check everybody's cholesterol. We aim for very low levels in patients who have vascular disease and the statins are certainly drugs that we highly recommend for appropriate patients. We do look at other testing, for instance uh, just your blood pressure in the office. We do look for something called the erythrocyte sedimentation rate, which is, it's called the ESR, which oh, is you a, marker. That yeah. yes. <laughs> it's a marker of inflammation. And in inflammation has been shown to be related to symptomatic heart and vascular disease so a lot, you may have seen this as a c-reactive protein mm. many people are familiar with it's along the same lines so when we see Uh, inflammation markers markedly elevated, we always get concerned about the activation of heart and vascular disease. Triglycerides in there as well? Triglycerides are a minor risk factor, but Mm. most importantly, they're related to elevated blood sugars. So fasting blood sugar, diabetes, pre-diabetes, anything like that we would look for on your blood tests. And then lastly, just the baseline EKG that you get at your doctor's office. And the chest x-ray that you may or may not get ordered by your primary care doctor. The EKG can show old silent heart attacks. 10 to 20% of heart attacks are silent. People Mm. don't even know about them. Seizures too? Uh, Not seizures Mm. for this. Mm. This would be a separate area. And then the chest x-ray can actually show hardening of the arteries. It can show an enlarged heart and enlargement of the blood vessels. So all of those things we put together in the non-invasive evaluation of vascular patients. That's a
1: lot of information, probably a lot more than you had before. And uh, Also, you can just literally get to the heart of the matter uh, as soon as possible rather than all the other things that used to rule rule it out, the old days of the open-heart surgery. My aunt had it back in, almost 40 years ago and, and it was a 100-to-1 shot to recover and made it. She was around 70 years old, you know, so... Uh, the days of the zipper maybe uh, are probably behind us as well or a bypass and all that kind of stuff? Yeah, it's a very insightful comment. I think there's
2: always a role for surgery mm-hmm. and I think around the country and certainly at St. Mary, we're very proud of the heart surgeons and vascular surgeons we work with. In the old days, and I'll go back to the 70s when heart surgery was approved for heart disease. Dr. DeBakey
1: in those days. You right. Know, so the,
2: it was initially approved for the VA population and then uh, turn towards the whole country. What a lot of people don't know is the minority of patients back in the 70s who got heart surgery ever went back to work again. As you referenced, it was just difficult to come back from. Yeah. Nowadays, with different surgical techniques, we call them rapid extubation protocols and early mobilization, as well as excellent care from the CCU and CTU nurses at the hospital. The average length of hospital stay for open heart
1: surgery is three to four days. I know. It's great. And uh, they now want you to get out of the hospital and go home. Yeah, it's a lot lot cheaper. uh, That
2: too, it's also better for patients' Uh, mindset. Absolutely. Psychologically, and and you have experience Mm family-wise, psychologically, it is such a major thing to be home and recovering for uh, for your family, with your family. And that has translated that attitude into vascular disease as well. So when it comes to aneurysms and blockages, whether it's in the neck or further down, we often emphasize now minimally invasive techniques or rapid di- discharge from the hospital to improve not just the surgical or endovascular options, but also improve the
1: mental aspect of the patient's recovery. Well, that's that's uh, that's lost in the shuffle. You're, you're talking technical terms, but, you know, what's going on upstairs and a positive attitude certainly do help. Coming right back with Dr. David Drucker on the St. Mary Healthline presented by Gwinnett U- Gwinn Mercy University in a moment here on BCB.
3: Imagine stopping deadly heart attacks and strokes with a tiny patch the size of a coin. Imagine replacing and repairing faulty heart valves through a two-inch incision. Imagine correcting irregular heartbeats with radio frequency energy. St. Mary Medical Center heart specialists solve the most complex cases with advances never before imagined. For a physician referral, call 215-710-5888. St. Mary Medical Center. It's your health. Expect more. Teachers, what's your next goal in life? To further your teaching career, to earn a master's or doctorate degree in education? How about an additional certification? Or if you just need credit for Act 48, Gwinnett Mercy University's School of Graduate and Professional Studies is open for discovery. Visit accelerated.gmercyu.edu to learn more and discover the next.
0: We now return to St. Mary Healthline, presented by Gwynedd Mercy University.
1: And continue with Dr. David a Drucker from uh, St. Mary's, and we were talking a little bit off the air before we came back, uh, doctor, about the mental aspect of it, and I'm sure uh, in the old days, like you said, to recover, but they didn't have the the rehab centers anymore, uh, or then, but they do now, so there's a probably a connection to uh, you know rehab at hospitals as well. I mean, phys- physical training to get up and get moving and get back into the regular your regular routine. Absolutely,
2: and St. Mary Medical Center has a commitment to that. Uh, recently, invested quite a bit in upgrading those services and providing specialized care in that direction. We have our on-site. Rehabilitation People see patients in the hospital as early as the first day after these procedures. They get them up and moving around, just like with orthopedics mm-hmm. or other types of procedures. And those patients really get mobilized quickly. They get evaluated uh, uh, really with not just the patient, but also the family to see what the needs are at home. If they need to go and get inpatient or outpatient rehabilitation, St. Mary's helps provide those services. And it really helps
1: with the physical and psychological And the communication process, doctor, is so important. When you're you're hospitalized, there's people running in, running out. Do you have a living will? Do you have this? And you have, you know, you end up with a a folder like war and peace. And to try to put that all together and get a good team together to to get the job done, but also inform the patient what they're up against and answer their questions and be available is easier said than done. It is. And and this day and age, you know,
2: everyone's trying to do their best. And you're right. Patients leave medical practitioners offices and hospitals with almost looks like a tome. It almost looks like they leave with a group of papers that looks like you're reading Moby Dick. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, But really what it comes down to is the communication between the physician the staff at the hospital mm-hmm. and the patient and the patient's family. When you can talk things through, where the patient and the family leave with an understanding of what was done and what the goals are, then
1: everybody can transition more smoothly and really outcomes mm-hmm. are improved. Do you have an uh, NGO? Is that, a, is that part of your program too? I mean, there's, you're talking about interwoven. Well, we were talking about that last week with uh, Dr. Fields with stents and angio and all the other stuff. I remember when I was hospitalized, I was hoping it was a blockage. At least I knew what it was. But it was uh, cardiomyopathy, and they said, "Well, I think it might be from, from a virus." But you know, if you thought you had something blocking there, that would be—you'd be on your way. But yeah,
2: you from- know. From a St. Mary's perspective, you know, I've been here
1: 16 years now and I'm the director of of Mm -hmm.
2: endovascular medicine at the hospital and proud to be so. Over the years, when patients do need invasive procedures, when they come to that point where a dye procedure to actually look at the blockages or the aneurysm is there, St. Mary's provides really the best of the best facilities. Big wide screen probably of everything, right? Yeah, they have a fancy term for it these days. It's called a hybrid operating room room and what it is is a place where cardiologists radiologists, vascular surgeons and cardiac surgeons uh, as really and really neurosurgeons as well can all work together to improve the outcome for the patient. The suite is really uh, dramatic uh, St. Mary's has invested an a amazing amount of finance and uh, people capital in it and what it is is a large space that has not just full operating room capability but also multiple x-ray imagers of the highest quality so that you can transition from a minimally invasive procedure to something more open, like an open surgical procedure, or vice versa, seamlessly. Right. So we use this for minimally invasive endovascular aneurysm repair would be a typical problem. A patient comes in with an aneurysm and we think we can fix it with stents. So we bring them to this hybrid operating room with the best imaging available. They get very light sedation just so they're comfortable but there's the chance that they might need general anesthesia so the anesthesia team is there. We then usually try not to make incisions so we actually can go through the groin and uh, carefully get our stents into position and treat the aneurysm without making any incisions at all. If the procedure goes well and we're happy with the result, the patient comes off the table and oftentimes goes home in about 36 hours some physicians are even sending them home in less than 24 hours if for some reason there's a surgical procedure that's needed we have the vascular surgeon or the cardiac surgeon right there they can make the incision they can work with the team to solve the problem so the patient leaves the operating room with
1: a successful procedure in the majority of cases hopefully they've outlawed staples since then but I always—I had a hernia operation Boy, that was tough. That I wouldn't say outlaw, but they're <laughs> rarely used. You know, you can find a doctor at St. Mary's uh, by calling the physician referral line at 215-710-5888. And need more information, get to the website, www.stmaryhealthcare.org. Uh, one of the things, too, doctor, is one of the indicators that you've come here, is there a commitment to R&D, research and development as well? I mean, you got to... We keep the uh, the carrot ahead of the nose kind of thing uh, is there is there a lot of commitment to? To research and development, absolutely. At St. Mary, we have an active research department where we
2: work with the physicians who have interest in promoting that to have active research trials in both cardiac and vascular medicine. And then, like anything else, we have our surgeons and our doctors constantly looking to the latest technologies to be able to apply them to our patients. So, getting back to aneurysms, sometimes there are aneurysms where the standard techniques don't work. Well, recently there. There have been new stents developed that actually, they're called fenestrated stent grafts. Wow. Where they have holes in the side of the graft that are specifically designed to treat aneurysms that go across other important blood vessels, like to the kidneys or to the belly arteries. And in those cases, St. Mary is committed to that. We have the room to do it in, the hybrid room. We have doctors like myself who are trained to do that procedure and to offer it to patients if it becomes necessary. And my 16 years at St Mary I've been very impressed with their commitment to new technology and research and
1: certainly expect that to continue. I'm sure they have a lot of opinions and you deal with a lot of people that you probably agree or disagree with and dissent with uh, some colleagues or whatever but that that's pretty healthy though. I mean just when you get to the to to the uh,
2: solve the problem. Yeah, one of yeah. the most impressive things about my relationship at St. Mary is we have a broad range of doctors and it's always been a co- collegial place to work. Mm. It's been a place where you can have a free exchange of ideas, where people ask their opinions about different cases, and it's all for the betterment of the patient outcome.
1: Yeah, so you're not like Vince Edwards who's always clashing with Dr. Zorba all the time on Ben Casey, you know, so. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's a little less hostile than it used to be, you know, everybody fighting or going over, or house or whatever. I guess that's that's probably the extreme, right? It is,
2: (laughs) the team approach is always best for patients and families. When you're a sick patient in a hospital, the last thing you need to feel is that your doctors are not in agreement. That just provides an extra level of stress. And from a physician perspective, that's something you certainly want to avoid. As you were referring to, Mm -hmm. we certainly believe that the mental
1: aspect of being in the hospital and then recovering is just as important as the physical aspect. Yeah, on the paperwork, too, going back from primary physician to a specialist is always key as well. And my experience has been pretty good about that, you know, so I, so you keep everybody in the loop at the same time. I appreciate that. Well, we're just about uh, out of time. Uh, Dr. David Drucker, he certainly uh, he probably does more than a few lectures and uh, and seminars around the country as well as be at St. Mary's and uh, you find the work very rewarding, very challenging and very exciting, I'm sure. I really do. It's been my pleasure to be here
2: for 16 years and hopefully a long time to come.
1: That's right. And uh, always great with the information as well because it brings a lot of listeners up to date, and if they think they have a problem, maybe maybe would inspire them to have it checked out as well. So on, on heart Month. So. so, doctor, thank you so much for uh, taking the time and checking in with us here. Thank you. Take care. Doctor David Drucker, Saint Mary's. That's the Saint Mary Health Line, presented by Gwynedd Mercy University, at nine o'clock Wednesday on WBCB. <laughs>